Today's reading is Isaiah 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravished, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, as we come to your word now, we ask indeed that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and our lives to know again the love that you have, the forgiveness that you have, the calling that you have on our lives. Amen. Well, you may not feel uh, much like Isaiah. You may not have had an experience like Isaiah. For that matter, you may not have had an experience like Jan. But I bet you have. 
but sometimes we don't recognize those feelings and those callings. We come today to this wonderful passage of the Old Testament, one which uh, I'm sure most of us have heard before. Most of us, when we think, well, what's that famous passage in the Old Testament? We will go to Isaiah 6. We do know it. It's a passage of glory, but it's a passage of real conviction and calling as well. And as is so often the case in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, it's sort of allegorical in the sense that the the prophet, in particular, lives out the, uh, the, the phraseology and the meaning of the passage. And so we have Isaiah uh, thinking about, uh, and at, at the time of the King Uzziah. And uh, Uzziah had come to the throne when he was 16 years old, and he ruled or reigned for 52 years. He was a good king. Uh, and during that time, Uh, The land or the nation was stable, it was protected, it was safe, uh, and it was broadly under control. However, during that period, Uzziah had, uh, as it were, uh, uh, grown used to his own abilities, grown used to his own strength, and increasingly had done things in his own will. And at one point in uh, his reign, he goes into the temple where only the priests were allowed and he starts to uh, make a sacrifice in the temple. And God says, this is not right. And from that moment on, Uzziah contracted leprosy and was cast out of the city. He was isolated, he was banished, and he was estranged. He still reigned, and the people were still protected, but he was cast out. And this is an image of the people of Israel. Because they had grown to live in their own strength. They had grown comfortable after 52 years of peace and security. And they were relaxed. And in a sense, they no longer needed God. And into that whole environment comes Isaiah. And I don't know where he is, if he's in the temple or if he's at home or in the bath or wherever else he was. But he has this vision, and it's a totally immersive experience of God. You know, they're advertising immersive art exhibitions in London at the moment. Um, Was it Van Gogh and Monet in particular, I think? And actually what they're doing is projecting some of the paintings on the wall, and you walk through the room. And that's the immersive experience, possibly with music. I don't know, Anna, you may have been, but no, you haven't. Okay. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been, but apparently I've read some uh, um, reviews of them because I I thought, this is fantastic, I'm going to go. The reviews, I have to say, were not that positive. 
Because they said you can't be immersed in something if it's just projected on a wall. But for Isaiah, this is a totally immersive experience. He's there. And he sees the seraph, or the seraphim, flying. And in front of God, they cannot look at God. They're angelic beings, and yet with two wings, they cover their eyes. They cannot see God. And with two, they cover their feet, because that's a sign of humility. And with two, they fly. So Isaiah sees the seraphim flying in this act of humility. But he can see the throne. The throne is important because it's not a pew. It's not somewhere where everyone sits. This is the throne. And in it is the Lord, uh, or what does it say? The throne, the high throne, uh, where the, the God is exalted. So this is God Almighty that is being worshipped by these angelic beings. And Isaiah is in the midst of it. And what had happened to Uzziah when he was there? He'd been struck with leprosy because that was not the place for a normal person. And yet Isaiah is there on his knees in front of God. And he sees God. He then hears God as well. And he hears the seraph. Don't worry, parents, they're fine. (laughs) He hears God. And the seraphs are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that repetition is always used where something is of such importance. You can't... I I went to a wedding, my nephew's wedding, and uh, he was giving thanks to everyone, and everyone was fantastic or brilliant or wonderful or marvellous or awesome or, you know... And he was just running out of superlatives as he was going through. All he needed to say was, Holy, holy, holy! It just underlines, wow, this is God. And here we have the seraph singing and the whole building shakes. We're going to sing at the end of this sermon and this building has got to, what should we say, rock really, probably, but it's got to shake. You're sitting at home, sing out loud. Let the neighbours know about it. This is God Almighty. And Isaiah was there. And he could see God. He could hear God. And how did he feel in the midst of that? Dreadful. Dreadful. Because there's God on one hand... There's me on the other. Oh, woe is me. I am unclean. Have we ever felt like that? We should, probably. No, we should definitely. (laughs) And a seraph goes to the altar. The altar, the symbol of grace 
of purity, of holiness, and takes a live coal, hot, takes it with tongs, and puts it on the lips of Isaiah. Yeah, ouch. That hurt. But we don't read about that. Because in that moment, Isaiah, just like the nation, is cleansed. This was unbidden, undeserved, unwarranted, unasked for. It's just a gift from God. You were unclean, and now you're clean. What was bad before has been removed. It's been taken away. You are a forgiven people. Now there's Isaiah. He's seen God. Wow. He's heard God. He's experienced his unworthiness, his um, inability or inappropriate position in the temple. I should be laid waste. I should be killed and slaughtered for being here. And yet God's grace comes down and meets him and touches him on the lips and says, you're clean. Do we get a sense of the power and the glory and the wonder of this moment? This is exciting. Look excited. This is exciting. And then what happens? Possibly the worst thing of all. God asks a question. Now, God doesn't ask many questions in the Bible, but this is one of them. I need someone to do something for me. Who shall I send? It's, it's not addressed to Isaiah. Have you noticed that? This is addressed to the whole nation. Isaiah is there in person on behalf of the nation of God, of, the, of his people. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah, in this experience of God, his understanding of forgiveness, his renewed purity, his call upon his life says, here I am, send me. Can we say that after three? One, two, three. Here I am, send me. You all said it. Here I am, send me. And he doesn't even know what the task is at that point. Did you, Joan? No. But you sense the burden of God. You, you hear God's calling. You can see God and so you walk. You take that path slowly and steadily to wherever it was called, wherever it leads. And that's the glory of God. Knowing that you can walk in the path of God and that God is going to be with you. So what does all that mean to us? Because, frankly, God doesn't speak to us like that very often. Has he spoken to you like that? Possibly not. Maybe you don't want him to speak like that. It's a bit scary. We feel inadequate. We feel as though we are deaf because God doesn't speak like that. When does God speak with clarity to our world? When does he want to speak to me? 
Is that how we're feeling? Because if we are, we're all wrong. Because God does want to speak. God does speak. God can, will, and always will speak. How did God speak to you this week? Because God did speak to you this week. Did you see the sunrise? Were you grateful? Did you see the sunset? Did you see the beauty of it? Did you feel in your heart, wow, that's special? That's God speaking to you. Did you see someone outside the corner shop and you chatted to them and you saw them laugh, you saw them smile? God speaking to you. Were you watching the TV and a film came on and you, you just, your mind got thinking? And you thought, oh, I wonder, that's really interesting. God speaking to you. Were you reading a book and you thought, that, that person's life is fascinating. I wonder what they felt like. God speaking to you. You see, God is in the everyday and we don't give God the credit. We hear, we hear God's voice day by day in things that happen. It's just that we don't label it as God speaking. I, um, I shared this on Thursday with the Thursday congregation, but my son is an evangelical but for a cleaning powder. <laughs> I uh, have just been to America, as you know, well, a few weeks ago now, but um, he just moved into a new house, and he introduced me to Barkeeper's Friend. Now, I don't know if you know... Uh, yeah, you see, some of you know it. Ah, it was new to me. And he said, Dad, I want to introduce you. And he showed me Barkeeper's Friend. It's like Vim or Ajax or any one of those. Uh, this is not a commercial. There are other products available. But Barkeeper's Friend, you spread it on. And he'd been to the thrift store uh, and bought an old but very good heavyweight saucepan. And it was black. And we put Barkeeper's Friend on it. And frankly, it could be new. It was amazing. So here I am being an evangelical. <laughs> and it's very easy for me to tell you because it's very non-threatening. It's very easy and I know it works. And I could have stood with him and said, do you know William, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Can I tell you something just as amazing? Jesus Christ loves you so much that he died for you and that he wants a relationship with, with you. He wants to love you. Did I? No, I didn't. He knows that anyway, so that's okay. But when I see someone at the school gate or I'm talking to Jackie or Jill in the school office and when I take them something, I, am I actually going to say, here we are, I'm really sorry, but could you hand these out in the book bags at the end of the week? 
Or am I going to say, these are from Wanish Church and we love this school so much because of all that God's done for us, I want you to hand these out because we want every child to know that God loves them. It, I mean, it's just normal conversation. It should be normal conversation. And then they would hear the word of God. And when I go there, am I going to be sullen and dull and boring? Well, you may say I'm sullen, dull and boring anyway, so perhaps that's a bad illustration. Uh, but Or am I going to go, and am I going to have the countenance of God and bring into their schoolroom the presence of Jesus Christ? When I walk up and down the street here, I was in the post office yesterday before going to pray with someone, and the post office could not do what I wanted them to do. Now, there was a queue forming behind me because it was taking a long time. And actually, I was aware that I was standing there with my collar on. So I did not say, you've got to try again, you are doing this wrong. I actually said, I quite understand. Thank you for trying. Because actually there, in that moment, I was the presence of God. And that was the call on my life at that point. To be the person that God wanted me to be. So this week, are we going to have our ears open to hear the voice of God? Are we going to have our eyes open to see God at work? Are we going to walk in the knowledge that our lives are made clean by the love of God and that we are forgiven people? Because the call of God is for the everyday. It's for the dramatic. It's for the big and important moments. And it's also for the small. We are all called to be the people of God. And that will work itself out in different ways. And we'll hear more about that from Jane at Boswell next week as we look at the Great Commission. Because this call is for everyone. Isaiah may well be Old Testament, but Jesus brings it up to date in Matthew 28. And that's what we'll look at next week. So spend this week with your eyes open, your ears open, your heart touched, and our lives set on fire with the love of God. Will you do that? Will you do that? I can see you. Let's pray. Heal my heart and make it clean. Lord, let us come before you, just as Isaiah did, with hands open wide, our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Heal our hearts and make them clean. Open up our eyes to the things unseen. Show us how to love like you have loved us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Everything we are for your kingdom's cause as we walk 
from earth into eternity. For your sake, Lord, let us follow your calling now and always. Amen.